Hi everyone, thank you so much for joining us for our live stream service today at the Church of Grace and Peace. My name is James Wheeler, I'm the worship pastor here and I'm gonna get to share the word of God with you today. Uh, I do wanna just give you a quick heads up if you're joining us for any of our live times that we have throughout the weekend. We're gonna be sharing in receiving communion at the end and I wanted to give you an opportunity to go ahead and maybe just get a cup of water and a, and a cracker or a piece of bread or a, a little bit of juice, anything that you can bless and receive as the elements of communion today. And obviously if you're watching anytime after that, you can pause and do that. But just know that that's gonna be kind of an important part of just solidifying what God is calling us out to do today at the end of this message. First, I do want to say thank you so much to all our faithful givers, those that, eat, that bring the tithe and offerings in to the church. We're so grateful for your heart, for your giving. We know that God's gonna bless you as you do that and it enables us to do ministry. So I wanna pray over that and then we'll dive into the message today. Father, thank you for this day, for another opportunity to open your word, to look into what you have for us. And I just wanna ask that you would bless those that have sacrificially given. Your word says that you will supply all that we need according to your riches and glory. So we agree in prayer that that's the case and we receive all the gifts uh, with thanksgiving and we bless them. Just anoint this word as I bring it today and, and bring life change as a result. Thank you in Jesus name. Amen. So we're continuing in our series on known by his name and we're looking at the names of the Lord and the name of the Lord that I'm going to share a little bit on is it would be Lord of hosts that would be our English understanding of it or in Hebrew it's Jehovah Sabbath and this name of God occurs more than get ready 270 times in the Old Testament and it combines God's personal name, as we've seen with many of the names, Jehovah or Yahweh, with the Hebrew word Sabaot, meaning host or multitude. So Jehovah Sabaot literally read would be the Lord of hosts. Pretty simple, right? According to scripture, this word Sabaot uh, or host can imply a few different kinds of hosts, not just one kind. So it can be a group of fighting men or an army, and there's good stories about that from 1 Samuel chapter 17 and 45, if you wanna look deeper, and Isaiah 13, verse four. Sometimes this word for hosts uh, of, means hosts of heaven, and there's good uh, indications of that from Psalm 148, verse two, and over in 1 Kings 22 and 19 for further study. Uh, and there it's picturing God as the Lord of the multitudes of angels, which are numbered, this is, this is mind-blowing, as thousand thousands and 10,000 times 10,000, according to Daniel 7.10. Talk about hosts. I mean, that is just, that should just blow your mind. And then this word host, Sabaoth, again, is used to describe innumerable stars in the night sky. And Psalm 33, 6 and Psalm 103, 20 and 21 describes that. And if you've looked up at the sky at night, I mean, talk about hosts, innumerable. You couldn't count them if you spent the rest of your life trying to do that. Uh, 
But I'm just going to really focus on just one idea here that is inspiring to me, and I hope it inspires you and challenges you. What I think we should see from this name, Lord of Hosts, is that God is the creator of everything. And all those resources are under his command. Human armies, angel armies, the forces of nature as armies. He's able to marshal all of them. All the multitudes of both the spiritual and the natural created world. And this is why he does this, to reveal his nature to us. He also does it to release his redemptive purpose. That's so important. And to radiate his glory. The second thing we need to understand and realize is that while he'll use these hosts, these multitudes, to intervene on our behalf and advance his kingdom, we should also realize that we need to surrender our lives to be available to him as one of his hosts. See, you and I are part of his hosts as well, that he is Lord of. And we want to do that so his will will be done and his kingdom may come. See, when you or I pray for his will to be done, then we've joined his army. We've joined his hosts. We're one of the multitudes that he uses. And this is so good. The smallest details of your life that are important to you, they're important to the Lord of hosts. It's an awesome thing to grasp. Now we can talk about this. We can look at this name. We can read the great stories. But if you're like me, I I kind of get that, I get that concept, but when it gets up close and personal, it can be a struggle. My faith can be challenged. I can be um, fighting fear and anxiety. I just recently took a trip to Sweden to play trombone in a band and minister uh, the gospel to some people there. And those trips are always faith ventures for me. There's always something that I have to step out and, and do that's uncomfortable and just being vulnerable and letting you a little, know a little bit about me, I am not a huge fan of flying. And, of course, when you go overseas, you have to fly. When you go any distance in the United States, you end up flying. And uh, takeoff is probably my least part of that trip where I'm usually praying intensely, Lord, this is all going to be okay, right? But something interesting, interesting happened on my return trip this time. I had, I had made the flight from Stockholm to Denmark to Copenhagen and I was waiting to board the plane for the final leg, the big seven-hour trip back to the United States. And people seemed to be boarding okay and then I went through there and showed them my papers and went around this corner and there's a series of glass doors that are security doors that open for you. Well, I got around there and this door wasn't opening for me. I thought, well, what's the deal? So... I had to go back and retrace my steps and go around and I poked around to the security guard and said, hey, which way am I supposed to go? Because it was confusing. There was like two different directions. I thought, I just went the wrong way. He's like, it's right there. Kind of like, you idiot, it's, you, you're where you're supposed to be. Well, the door wasn't opening. So then soon the other passengers on the plane started piling up behind me. And then all the people that worked for the airline were coming around going, what's going on here? It's like, the door isn't opening. So they're taking their scan cards and trying to open the door and pushing in their codes and nothing's happening. So eventually this lovely young lady says, okay, follow me. We'll go around, you know, their pathway, which 
that the general public wasn't supposed to go. So we go around, they get us through the security door. Now, knowing I have a little apprehension about flight, my radar is always up like, Lord, if you don't want me to get on this plane, <laughs> you know, let me know. And so we're on the, the gangway, that, that portable thing that goes from the terminal to the plane. And I'm just standing there with my trombone and my backpack. I'm just ready to get home to see my wife and, and daughter. And the most piercing alarm just starts going off, like scares the ever-living daylights out of everybody. And I started to get gripped with fear. And I was like, God, are you trying to tell me? Are you trying to warn me of something here? Is this some, some sign? And I had a physical, visceral reaction. But what I had to do was dig down deep and say, wait, wait a minute. I know the Lord. I know the Lord of hosts. I know the Lord of peace. And this isn't how he would try to talk to me. If he wanted to tell me I needed to change course or do anything different for his plan, he would talk to me. He'd say, James, I need you to not get on this plane. And so I had to fight through that. And obviously I'm here speaking to you today. Everything went fine after that. But that's that challenge. When things seem fearful, when things get crazy, do we take our cues from what's happening or can we settle in and really say, Lord of hosts, you are in control of everything. You're in control over this plane. You have a plan and purpose for my life. And my destiny is to go where you want me to go. And you're going to be with me during that. Now, I don't know what it is for you. You might have similar concerns about flying. It might be that you're concerned about how your kids are doing, how they're going to turn out. You might have just gotten a little concerned about the election we had and the, and the state uh, of our country right now. But I just want you to consider this, and I want to encourage you with this. When the name of the Lord of hosts, when he really becomes real to us, and we really know him, and we're known by him, we let him know us intimately, we can embrace this truth. And this would be very important for you to understand from this message today. And here it is. While the Lord of hosts commands the infinite, his plans for us are still intimate. They include us and all that concern us. I think that's good news. I think that's something to hold on to. And we're going to look at a story from the Word of God now that helps us see a real-life situation just like that. And he puts these stories in the Word to encourage us and ask us to respond in the same way. And this is from Matthew chapter 14, verses 24 through 33. This is the New Living Translation. Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble far away from land, for a strong wind had risen and they were fighting heavy waves. About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them, walking on the water. When the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. In fear, they cried out, it's a ghost. But Jesus spoke to them at once, don't be afraid. He said, take courage, I am here. Then Peter called to him, Lord, if it's really you, Tell me to come to you, walking on the water. Yes, come, Jesus said. So Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on the water toward Jesus. But when he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. 
you have so little faith, Jesus said, why did you doubt me? When they climbed back into the boat, the wind stopped. Then the disciples worshipped him. Do you see yourself in that story? I see myself. It's just like my experience getting on that plane. Let's be honest. Why is it that when we see Jesus doing what he does best, when he's being the Lord of hosts, we tend to question him? We've read about it, we know the stories, we encourage one another with it, but when he's right there in front of your eyes walking on the water, it's like, Jesus, show me some ID. I need, I need proof. Is this really you? I have this idea about all that. Maybe it'll make sense to you. I think we see him the clearest when everything is the craziest. I think we see him the clearest when everything is the craziest. I'm not going to talk about this in depth, but if you, if you know the story, remember the Hebrew children in the fiery furnace from the Old Testament? There was three of them that got thrown in there for standing up for their faith. Well, how did the whole world get a glimpse of who Jesus was? He was the fourth man, and he, didn't, he wasn't walking around before that. But when the fire was the most intense, there he was for all the world to see. Can I invite you to push out into the crazy today? To stop playing it safe. See, it's so often when we see a storm, we think, oh no, batten down the hatches, brace yourself. But we're supposed to be just like Jesus. We're supposed to be out there walking on the water. 30-foot waves, wind, lightning, thunder. We're supposed to be out there shining gloriously for the Lord and doing what he has called us to do best, representing him as the Lord of hosts. It'd be great if you would just determine in your heart this, the storm is not keeping me from my destiny. T.S. Eliot said, only those who will risk going too far can possibly find out how, how far one can go. Here's another quote. The fear of death is the most unjustified of all fears, for there's no risk of accident for someone who's dead. Albert Einstein said that. No man is worth his salt who's not ready at all times to risk his well-being, to risk his body, to risk his life in a great cause, said Theodore Roosevelt. If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross, and follow me. Jesus Christ, the Lord of hosts, said that to you. He's saying that to me. What is it that he's saying to you right now? What is it that he's asking of you? What is the storm that he's asking you to step out and pursue him? And I have a question for you. What is holding you back? You might be battling with, well, what if I'm not ready? Uh, What will people say about me? What What if I'm the only one and I stand out from the crowd taking a risk? Here's a question. Do you really want to be intimate with him? Do you want to experience him more up close and personal than ever before? 
then there's something you can do. And we're going to look at one more scripture that describes that. And I think you can ask the Lord of the hosts to make your boldest dream come true. And say, I'm going to dedicate my life to you, Lord, and I'm going to give this dream to you. And I'm going to walk with you through the crazy to the other side of the destiny that you have for me. Let's look at a bold prayer that really changed the whole heritage and impact of what God could do redemptively in his plan for us. It's in 1 Samuel chapter 1, just 10 and the first part of 11. I just want to get the heart of this and then challenge us to do the same thing. Hannah was in deep anguish, crying bitterly as she prayed to the Lord. And she made this vow. And here's the name we're looking at today. O Lord of heaven's armies, if you will look upon my sorrow and answer my prayer and give me a son, then I will give him back to you. I was fascinated when I began to study this name. This is the first instance of the name Lord of hosts in all of scripture. And it isn't an epic nation of Israel on the battleground against some invading armies. You don't get a picture of some massive spiritual warfare that's going on. You have a humble woman of God who's just crying out in desperation and has the revelation, Lord of hosts, you have all the powers of the universe at your command. Surely, surely you can do this for me. And I think that makes the Lord glad and excited when we approach him with that kind of hunger, desperation, and faith, and reckless abandon. Can you hear him calling you to step out in faith today? Are you willing to pray a prayer like that that says, here's this big dream that I think you've given me, God. Make it come true, and I'll dedicate it to you for the rest of my life. Here's the only next step I want us to think about today. Could we move together as believers who call on the Lord of hosts to move on our behalf? And if we do that, will we, will we respond to his call as one of his hosts and on a daily basis dedicate our lives in prayer and service to him? Now we're going to watch a video here. And here's the tie into the video. This video is the very music that I was able to minister on my recent trip in Sweden. I got to play trombone on this very song. This is the studio recording uh, of that song. But as I played that live in front of those audiences there, when I heard the part that sa says, it is I, I am, I had to fight back the tears because I felt him calling me challenging me to follow him deeper. And I pray, as you hear this song, you hear that same voice. And then after that, we're just going to receive communion together, take that challenge, and dedicate the rest of our lives to serving him.
you've had time to get some elements, something that represents the body of our Lord and the shed blood of Him. I don't know what it is for you. I don't know what He wants you to do specifically. And maybe you don't have a clear picture. But I just want to invite you to think about this. His body was beaten brutally bruised, uh, whipped, the stripes were on his back, he was mocked for you, for your wholeness, for your life, 
for your future with him in eternity. And his blood was spilled and, and was shed once and for all. No more repetitive animal sacrifice to pay the atonement for sin. Jesus did that. And in that, can we hear him calling us, step out of the boat, come after me, come into the craziness, come into the world, and let's shine together. Let's make a difference. Let me pray over this, and then we'll receive. I thank you, Lord, for your body that was broken. Thank you that you did that for us, that you loved us so much, that you did that for us. Thank you for pouring out your blood so selflessly and so humbly. And thank you that you didn't stay in the grave, but you rose again and you are now seated at the right hand of the Father and you're ruling as Lord of hosts. So I pray a blessing over these elements right now. In Jesus' name, let's receive them together. Let me just close in prayer. Lord, thank you for this word. Thank you for your name being Lord of hosts. God, just help us to know more and more the depths of what that name really means and the nature that you have to reveal to us every day that we walk with you. And for anyone who's never made that step or who's struggling, Lord, I pray that they come to the conclusion that you are the only way, truth, and life, and they will confess you as Lord and Savior today and receive you into their heart and follow you forever. I pray a blessing on all those that have heard this word, God, and we thank you for what you're going to do as a result for your kingdom expansion, for your redemptive purpose. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for joining us today, and we look forward to seeing you again sometime soon.